0: Good morning to everyone in Southeast Louisiana. It is play-by-play coming to you live here on this Thursday. I cannot believe that the week is already almost to the weekend. Casey Disclare here. We've got a fun show coming your way. We'll be live until 1 o'clock, as we always are, here on play-by-play, giving you the latest and the greatest and everything in between in the world of sports. In today's show, we're going to make a trip down to South Lafourche High School. We'll have girls basketball coach, Coach Darian Jenkins on the line. She will be recapping her 2022-2023 girls basketball season over in Lady Tarpon land. It concluded on Tuesday in a win against Morgan City, and we'll chat with Coach Jenkins about her team and some things that she believes they've got to get better at to try to get back into the playoffs next year. In the second hour of the show at 12.15, we'll go to Andrew Cayouette of HL Bourgeois, and we'll ask him about his team. And some things that they are looking to get accomplished, and some things that they're looking to do uh, as they continue to build themselves up uh, going into the offseason. They got a young group, but it's a group that's getting better, a group that played really well in their last time out. And we'll talk with Coach Kiewit about their opportunities to try to build some momentum going into the offseason. Um, so now let's talk about this. Uh, last night, you know, usually we start with. You know, scoreboard updates and a rundown of everything that happened in the area last night. There was literally like one game in the area. Home of Christian School beat Franklin in girls basketball action as a game that I was at, a game that you were able to watch on Bayou Sports. And I think that, um, man, it's becoming apparent. Like Home of Christian's pretty good. <laughs> I watched watched them play last night. They've got some talent. Uh, they're so young, but the youth isn't a detriment. They're young, but they're developing good habits and are playing the right way because Kathy's got a group, Kathy Luke, that is, got a group that doesn't know any better. They don't know any bad habits. They don't know how to do things the wrong way because all they know is what they're being taught by Kathy right now. And I'm telling you, like, we talk about Vanderbilt and how great they are and and how they've got – you know, just an opportunity to win the state championship this year, and they do. But boy, in the future, man, Homer Christian's going to be in contention too now. Last night, they were playing an 11th grader, a 9th grader, a couple of 8th graders, and a 7th grader, like virtually a middle school team, and they got a win over a Franklin team that I thought was pretty athletic and pretty skilled and, like, was pretty capable of doing some stuff. I thought that was a really good win for Homa Christian last night. And it sets the stage for what we want to talk about this segment, which is power rating numbers for the local teams in our area. On the girls' side, Division I non-select. The last playing date of the season is Saturday. So these numbers, while they're not locked in stone, uh, we're looking like, you know, we're in a situation here where we know pretty much who's going to be in by and large and kind of where they're going to be looking. On the girls' side, East St. John's the 11th seed with a 19 and 8 record. Thibodeau's the 12th seed currently with an 18 and 10 record. <clears throat> Destrehan's the 13th seed with a 21 and 6 record. So it's looking pretty good that all three of those teams will be at home in some order, some form or fashion in the opening round. It's looking pretty good that those teams will be able to stay in the top 16. Hanville is currently sitting at number 16 with an 18 and 9 record. It's going to be a struggle. Uh, I guess they've got you know if they win Friday, you know they've got an opportunity. But it's going to be tough because there's some teams nipping at their heels that are just a couple of hundreds of a point away from them. So Hanville's got some work to do still yet if they want to sew up their opening round game at home. Central Lafourche is in a very nervous situation. They're sitting at 28 right now, and they're 14 and 11, and they've got. <clears throat> a little bit, 0.26 of a lead over East Ascension, who's sitting at 29. Central LaFouche plays Thibodeau on Friday. That is an absolute 100%, 1 million percent, however you want to quantify it, must-win game. If they win that game, I think it's pretty safe to say they're in. They'll be the 28th seed. They'll you know be facing someone in the top five in the opening round. You lose that game. There's a very real possibility that you'll be the first team out and that East Ascension will climb you. East Ascension's got a game against a 20-plus win team. <clears throat> They'll get points just for playing that one. And East Ascension's also playing really well coming in. There's a pretty good chance they might just win that game outright. So it's nervous time for Central Lafouche sitting right at 28. They've got to beat Thibodeau and maybe even get a little bit of help even still yet. If they beat Thibodeau, I think they're feeling pretty good, though. South LaFouche, 32, they're out. HL Bourgeois, 37, they're out. Terrebonne, 40, they're out. South Terrebonne, 43, they're out. Those local teams will not be making the postseason. Division 2 non-select. Ellender sitting at 15. They've got a pretty nice cushion over 16 and 17. They're going to be at home in the opening round of the playoffs. So Ellender's in a good spot. They're 16 and 13. They'll be at home in the opening round. Um looking at this, uh, assumption is that number sixteen right now. They are gonna be in, but they're just clinging to that 16 spot. They might be home, they might not be home. So assumption's in the playoffs, but they've still got a lot to play for in terms of trying to hold on to their seed. Lutcher not in the postseason, Morgan City not in the postseason in Division two, non-select non-select. Division two select. The Vanderbilt Catholic Terriers are in. They're the two seed. They're going to be the two seed. They can't catch the one seed. They can't drop to the three seed. Vanderbilt's going to be the two seed going into the playoffs. E.D. White is currently sitting at number 17. How about this? They are one one hundredth of a point away from number 16. So E.D. White's in a spot where it's, it's very possible that they could be at home in the opening round, but if things don't go their way to end the year, it's also very possible they could be sitting at number 17 and be playing on the road. Um, so, two local teams will be in postseason there. Division three select Homer Christian with their win last night. They're 17 and two. They're the number four seed right now. <clears throat> Looking pretty good. Like they're going to stay at the number four seed. They've got a big gap to go to get to number three, they've got a big uh, drop to make to get to number five. So, it looks like Homer Christian could be number four in the division 4 select playoff bracket. Division or division 3 uh select playoff bracket. Division 4 select. Central Catholic currently sitting at number 5. They're in a good spot. They're going to be at home. CCA sitting at number 16. They're in a good spot. They're also likely to be at home. Now we move to the boys. And we could tell you that there are a lot of boys basketball teams that are in contention that are trying to punch their tickets into the postseason as well. Division 1 non-select. Currently the highest seeded local team is Hanville sitting at number 12 with a 17 and 14 record. So Hanville's in a good spot. Terrebonne, despite already having 20 wins, they are on a bit, bit of a slide as of late. They're 20 and 7. They've lost a few here. They're sitting at number 16 and there are some teams around them creeping up near them. There is a possibility that Terrebonne can maybe drop out of the top 16 and maybe lose out on that opening round home game. South LaFouche is currently sitting at number 25 with a 12-10 and record. One thing to make note of with South LaFouche, they're also still in play for a district championship, which would earn them a whole power point. It looks like the Tarpons are pretty comfortably in the playoffs because the gap between 25 and 29 is pretty large, but it wouldn't hurt to beat either Vanderbilt or Ellender in the final stretch of the season. Central Lafouche out, H.L. Bourgeois out, Thibodeau out, South Terrebonne out. Those teams won't make it into the postseason this year. Division II non select. We've got the Ellender Patriots currently sitting at 19. Looks like Ellender's going to be on the road in the opening round, maybe facing Lutcher because Lutcher's currently sitting at 14. If the playoffs started today, it would be an opening round matchup between district rivals Lutcher and Ellender. Morgan City near the bottom is trying to sneak into the playoffs. They're currently number 31. Doesn't look like they're going to get in. Assumption thirty-seven doesn't look like they're going to get in. Select division two Vanderbilt currently sitting at number six in the state with a twenty-one and four record. They've got a big opportunity to beat Ellender and make a statement today. Um, so Vanderbilt sitting at number six. Ed White is currently sitting at number fifteen. So it's likely that both of those teams will be at home in the opening round. <clears throat> and then we go to the private school side. Home of Christian schools got some work to do if they want to get in. Um remember these private school brackets, it's twenty-four teams that get in, not not twenty-eight like the public schools. Homer Christians twenty-six right now. They're chasing, they've got to rise almost a whole point to get to the top twenty-four. They're chasing Holy Savior Menard. So still some work to do for Homer Christian. Not impossible, but it's gonna be difficult. <clears throat> and then we go to division four, and we could tell you that Central Catholic of Morgan City sitting at the number eight seed. So they're comfortably in, and CCA is 31. They're not going to make it into the postseason. So let's catch a break. When we get back out of the break, we're going to go to Darian Jenkins of South Lafouche High School. She'll tell us about her team. um, After wrapping up their season on Tuesday, it's play-by-play on KLEB.
1: You're listening to KLEB, 1600 AM and K274 DE, 102.7 FM, Golden Meadow. The music on the bayou, the raging Cajun, 1600 AM, KLEB and 102.7FM. Following a natural disaster, it is imperative that insurance companies respond quickly for our communities to begin to rebuild. Louisiana law requires prompt adjustment of claims as well as payment following a storm. If your insurance company failed to pay your claim within 30 days following inspection of your property, please call us at AMO Trial Lawyers, 985-446-3333. That's 985-446-3333. You may have an additional claim for recovery. A M O trial lawyers.
2: You have a pest control problem? Roundtree's Pest Control and Supplies has an experienced staff that can guide you with the products to use yourself for your home or business.
4: Gulf South Homes is a locally owned and operated mobile home dealership specializing in manufactured homes, modular homes, office units, and camps. Gulf South Homes offers land home packages on your land or ours. Our friendly staff will help you with parts and service and insurance. Did you know you can even custom design your home? And we work with the Restore Louisiana grant program. So see us today at 1986 Highway 182 in Houma or call 985-876-0222. The home of your dreams is waiting for you at Gulf South Homes.
0: Welcome back to Play-By-Play Play here on KLEB. Casey Justler here enjoying our start to the day. We hope the same for you all. We go to the phone lines for our first call-in guest of the show. That would be South LaFouche girls basketball coach, Coach Darian Jenkins. Her team wrapped up their season on Tuesday in a win against Morgan City. Coach, good morning. How are you? Good morning.
5: I'm doing good. How
0: are y'all? Doing fine. Rough time of the year, I guess, because, you know, no playoffs to prepare for, but your team does end the season with a win, which I know makes you really happy. Talk about that. You sent your seniors out winners, and I'm sure that that was something you were uh, very happy and very excited about.
5: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's definitely upsetting um, not making it to the playoffs this year. But it's we kind of knew it was coming after we had lost to Assumption. We kind of figured out the numbers and everything, and we knew we weren't going to make it. But I just let those two seniors know, like, hey, girls, this is your last game. I saw LaFouche, and y'all have the privilege of playing your last game at the Tank. I mean, I just wanted those girls. Like, I know the feeling of my last game, so I just needed them to understand what was coming to them and just leave it all in the court. And that's what our two seniors did. And it was awesome sending them away with such a good win. And they both played amazing games. So that made it even better. We're going to miss them for sure.
0: They were your two leading scorers in a game where you played well, you know, you pushed Morgan city past running time and got a win. And what did you tell them after the game to let them know, Hey, you know, thanks for everything that you've done. I'm sure you were awfully proud of both.
5: Oh yeah, for sure. We're all proud. Um, of both Gabby and Elise, and after the game, you can tell the emotions were there. They were crying, and it was definitely tears of joy. They were happy to have been with these girls and their team the last few years um, here at Southwest and I've just had the greatest pleasure to coach them their last two years, and they're both amazing players. And, I mean, we never know. It might happen that they can get to the next level and play a little bit more, which would be great, but, again, even if they don't, just knowing they're – last four years here were just amazing, and they left it all on the court. I think it's awesome, and they know there definitely will be missed, and they're welcome to come help us out at practice anytime they can.
0: So tell us about what you have coming back. You know, you returned three of your five starters, um, and you got a lot of players that played at your junior varsity level that were very talented that I think with a little more seasoning could get ready. Uh, to be on that varsity level, you return Ellie Lorraine, who's going to likely be a first team or maybe uh maybe even an honorable mention all state caliber player. Um, tell us about what you got coming back because I don't think the Lady Tarpons are going to be down for very long.
5: Yeah, but I agree with that. Um, like you said, we have three starters coming back, which is going to be great. And it was awesome to even have those younger girls get a lot of playing time this season. So they'll be good uh, to come back next season too. So I'm super excited that they were able to get some playing time and get a glimpse of what it's like to play at the uh, varsity level. So, honestly, we already started yesterday in seventh period conditioning. I mean, we started back conditioning for summer. So, like, we really never stop. Uh, so, in PE, we're going to get them girls ready, and hopefully when summer ball comes around, if we have a better turnout than the record that we had this season. It's only up. So.
0: so, tell me about that, you know, playing over the summer. Um <laughs> you know, sometimes coaches will say things like, oh, you know, we're we're just going to play everybody and we're going to learn what we got and everything like that. But I really believe that for a team like you all, and this summer still so far away, but I really believe that for a team like you all, um, it's going to be important to, to go and learn how to win some games. I mean, y'all lost some close ones, and I feel like more important uh, of a summer this year than it is maybe in any other summer the Lady Tarpons have had in quite some time.
5: Yeah, I think so too, and... Like you said, a lot of coaches just think summer balls kind of just there to, like, keep the girls in the gym and whatnot. But I take it really serious, and I have the girls take it serious like we would be playing in a regular season. I mean, not that it counts for anything, but it counts to have us prepared for when the season does actually come. So hopefully we can get these girls, even the girls coming up from middle school, get them ready, get them prepared during the summer, and then once the real season starts next year, I mean, our girls will be ready to go. The summer definitely does help out tremendously, I think, Especially having the girls conditioned and ready whenever the season does
0: come around. Yeah, very good. In terms of your schedule, this past season you guys scheduled pretty tough again. Um, but that you know that's that's a positive and a negative. On one hand, uh, you lost some games doing that, but on the other hand, your your score was pretty good because even with the you know the eleven and, and twenty record, you were you were close to making the playoffs. Uh, how are you looking the schedule, and how are some? You know, what are some of your strategies there to try to make sure that the Lady Tarpons are in the best possible position next year?
5: All right. Um, last week, I kind of looked at it too. I've just been looking at um, people's records from this year and like trying to kind of trying to see like how many seniors they're losing, how many um, different compared to us because we're only losing two seniors. So to have a look at that and kind of see uh, what the other teams are looking like and what players they're losing and what their records are looking like from this year. It's going to help us out. Uh, I definitely don't think it's going to be as tough as this season was. Just kind of getting smarter, you know. It's only my second year, so I'm just learning from mistakes pretty much (laughs) Um, to just see what works best and what helps us out in the end the most. And, I mean, looking at the rankings, if we would have stayed in the 4A, even with the record we had this year, we would have made it to the playoffs. But now that we're in the 5A, we kind of missed it just by those two – points, because they only take 28 teams, or four points, whatever we're at. I think we're at 32 right now, and like I said, they only take 28, but I mean, even with the record we had, it was still pretty decent in the numbers, in the rankings. So, I'm just going to learn from that, and hopefully next year, I can get it fixed up. But I'm not definitely not getting away from those tougher teams. I mean, we're still trying to look to play a lot of 5A, 4A, and 3A teams. So, definitely just to have the girls prepared and playing those better teams will get them even more prepared whenever we do get to that playoff position
0: that's got to be look a little bit frustrating right i mean you're you're playing in you know kind of a 5a classification with a 4a school and if you guys were able to stay on that 4a side you would have got in and i mean it is what it is is you know there's nothing we could do about it but man that's got to be a little bit of a bummer right yeah for
5: sure and i mean i'll look at it here and there but like you said there's nothing we can do about it you just roll with the shots you're given and it is what it is so I mean yeah it kind of is upsetting but at the end of the day like you said nothing we can do so we're just going to keep pushing from here on out
0: coach let's talk about this for a second you and I haven't had the opportunity to chat about this and and, you know I talked with this uh with Kathy Luke about this a couple days ago um are you a fan of like the women's game as a whole? Like, do you watch a lot of women's college basketball? What I'm asking is like, you know, LSU right now is just on such a roll. Uh, you know, Kim Mulkey's got that program roaring. They're about to play number one South Carolina on Sunday, and I'm fired up about that. And man, what do you make of what Coach Mulkey's doing out there? It's amazing how fast they've turned that thing around. Oh
5: yeah, I love it. I I really don't watch too much women's basketball, but when it comes to LSU, I definitely do watch them. Um, their team is amazing this year, and she's just an amazing coach all the way around. Uh, I learned a lot from just watching her. So if I could ever be the coach that she is, that would be awesome. But just seeing how her team works together is just amazing. And, I mean, she has talent all the way around. And even though, like, I can tell that the players might butt heads sometimes, at the end of the day they know that they're all on the same team. So instead of, like, going against each other, it's never like an individual game, which is what I love. Like, they all look out for each other as a team. And, I mean, that's what makes them so successful. And I'm super excited to see the turnout of this game on Sunday because it's definitely
0: going to be a good one. You're going to be bored in the next couple months, Coach. I know you're going <laughs> to you know, be able to be a mom a little more, and that's always good, and maybe you know, do some off-season planning and stuff like that. But, you know, this got to be kind of a quiet time of the year. And I know, look, I'm thinking about this myself. It's like, man, when basketball ends, like, like what am I going to do? Like, at, at 3 o'clock, I'm not going to have a gym to be driving to. Like, what are you going to be doing the next couple weeks?
5: Yeah, like literally yesterday was our first day without practice. And I went pick up my little boy from school, and I was like, I don't know what to do. (laughs) Like, I was like, Malachi, what do you want to do? And he's like, Mom, let's go to the park. (laughs) So we ended up going to the park yesterday. So, like you said, just being able to be a mom um, a little bit more. And, I mean, just taking advantage of that family life at home. And then when May comes back around, we'll be back in the gym. So I'm sure it'll be here sooner than we know.
0: No doubt about it. Thanks so much for the time, Coach. I know it wasn't the year that you all hoped, but I have no doubt that y'all are going to get back into that spot very, very soon.
5: Oh, yeah, for sure.
0: Thank you so much. Have a great day.
5: Thanks, you too.
0: Yep, that is Coach Jenkins doing an excellent job with South Lafouche. It was a down year, and I like that she says openly, yeah, it's a down year. It's not what we wanted. Um, But there are some reasons why it may have been a down year. Um, They lost a whole lot last year, right? How do you replace, you know <clears> – <throat> Madison Ryan, Ava Petrie, Madeline Bourgeois, Abby Collins, how do you replace that without taking a step back, right? How do you replace that level of production and that many starts? Those are players that in some cases it started four years, in other cases it started you know three years or whatever. How do you replace that level of production without taking a step back? Um, but at the same time, you're the Lady Tarpons, and the Lady Tarpons are used to playing into the second, third, you know, round, maybe even making the top 28 here and there. So they're going to have to get back to that, and I have no doubt they're going to put in the hard work in the offseason and try to make that a reality. Let's catch a break when we get back out of the break. Boy, there's some things that happened in the NBA yesterday. We'll talk about that. Kevin Durant going off to Phoenix. It's play-by-play on KLEB. We'll give our thoughts on that in the next segment of the show.
1: The French Connection, the all-new Raging Cajun, 102.7
6: FM. Does your vehicle need servicing and you don't want to drive too far? Calvin Braxton Ford Service Department in Lockport is offering these specials until further notice. Get a diesel oil change for $159.95 or a gas-only oil change for $49.95, up to 5 quarts. Calvin Braxton Ford, 5978 LE1 in Lockport. Big Town Inventory, Small Town Prices.
7: Guaranteed.
3: Time is money.
0: I'm a night owl, right? Like, I'm the type of dude that I ain't going to bed until it's, you know, 1 a.m., 1.30, 2, sometimes 3. This is the way I am. But if you ask me to do something at 7 a.m., I'm dead to the world. Like, I'm just not a morning person. I'm I'm an afternoon, night, and early morning person. That's just the way that I've always been wired. But last night, it's raining, it's windy, and just that hypnotic sound of the rain hitting the roof, that wind, throwing the branches around, I was dead to the world at like 11.30, which is like incredibly, incredibly early for me, watching a video on YouTube, AirPods in <clears throat> drifting off to sleep. And then beep 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 phone starts going off. What the hell is this? I'm thinking <clears throat> my first instinct is thinking like you just gotta get your ass out of bed because it's a tornado warning. Like I'm thinking it's a weather alert. It's storming outside, and now at midnight, my phone is going crazy. Nope, wasn't a weather alert. It was a push notification from ESPN, then from Yahoo Sports, then from the NBA, that Kevin Durant had been traded to the Phoenix Suns. In the dead of the night, in the early morning hours, the Brooklyn Nets decided to trade Kevin Durant to the Phoenix Suns for a package... um, that I don't think is enough, but that's neither here nor there. We could discuss that throughout the segment. Um, let's see. I'll tell you the exact package here for Michael Bridges, <clears throat> Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, and multiple draft picks, including four first-round draft picks and a 2028 pick swap. <clears throat> the picks are unprotected. That the Nets are getting from Phoenix, so if the Suns tank fall off a cliff and it becomes the first pick in the draft, good on Brooklyn. But now you've got a situation where the Suns are going to be building and chasing the championship with Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul. This is bad news for the New Orleans Pelicans. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. There's no ways around that. This is bad news for the New Orleans Pelicans. And this is why, mind you, that I've been saying here on this show that the Pelicans need to be open to discomfort. Be open to making sweeping changes. Changing the roster, changing the rotation because I knew At trade deadline time, other teams were going to do that. And if you don't, you now get a little left behind. The Pelicans are now not as good as Denver. And this is including if Zion's there, by the way. I don't care about, you know, there's this idea amongst Pelican fans that if Zion, or if and when Zion comes back, that the Pelicans are going to win every single game the rest of the season and become a super force. I know that's not realistic, but you're now sitting, you're behind Denver, you're behind Memphis, you're not as good as the Suns, and if the Clippers are healthy, I don't think you're as good as them. Dallas, if they could get Kyrie into the groove, and look, he looked incredible last night, he looked refocused, you're not as good as them. The Warriors get healthy, get Steph Curry back, you're not as good as them. So you know what you are? You're the same thing that I've been telling everybody for two years now that you're going to be. The NBA Hawks. Or the Western Conference Hawks. The 2000s Hawks. However you want to cut it up, however you want to say it, however you want to slice it up. You're going to be that team that annually will be the sixth seed. You're going to have a fun little regular season. You're going to have a stretch during the regular season where you win eight of nine, and it'll cause people on SportsCenter to say, Hey, is this the year where the Pelicans finally break the ice and finally make that run? And then we get to April, and you're losing the first round over and over and over and over. And, oh, every once in a while, you might win a first-round series, and then guess what? You face Denver, get your ass swept. You face Phoenix, Durant scores 40 in three of the four games, and you're losing five. And that's my whole concern with the Pelicans right now, is that they are too content to just be aight, and they're so worried about ruining their position of being aight that they're not willing to roll the dice one more time to try to potentially jump up to the top. And it starts with the organization, David Griffin and Trajan Langdon, and it starts with the organization, but it also starts with the fan base as well. Because anytime anyone brings up any type of trade or any type of move that I think would upgrade the Pelicans, when Kevin Durant was mentioned in the offseason, you guys had a seizure. Oh, I don't want him. He's a team wrecker. When Kyrie was discussed last week after he demanded a trade, oh, he's a flake. We don't want him. When Carl Anthony Towns is discussed, ah, yeah, we got vibe, man. I I don't know. I don't want to mess up our vibe. You're 29 and 27, bro. Go vibe somewhere else. New Orleans right now is in a Spot that is exciting to us, but yet also, I'm warning you, is going to get old. You're the team that's good and exciting, but not good enough and not exciting enough. And you don't have a whole lot of flexibility to get better. This offseason, the New Orleans Pelicans should have shopped C.J. McCollum and tried to bring home a Bradley Beal. Should have shopped Brandon Ingram. Tried to get a Trey Young. Hey, look, you might have you might have gotten told no, right? <clears throat> you might have gotten told no. But we're not hearing any whispers that they're even having those discussions. So instead, they're content to sit where they are, in the middle, and they're going to get put out of the playoffs after the first or the second round. When I think they should have been rolling the dice, being aggressive, And tried to shoot for the stars in a Western Conference that I think is wide open. Durant's off to Phoenix. They're now better than you. Kyrie's off to Dallas. They're now better than you. Denver's standing pat, but they were already better than you. Golden State, when they get healthy, they're the defending champions. They're better than you. The Clippers, if they get healthy and get focused and play all of their dudes, they're better than you. Where does that leave New Orleans? That leaves New Orleans, as always, in the middle of April, watching the contenders play basketball and wondering what if. It's disappointing to see. And look, the trade deadline's not passed yet, so I guess they still could make a move. But it's disappointing to see the trade deadline come around and really there's not a whole lot of whispers about New I mean, you're supposed to have all these picks, right? Use that as leverage. You supposedly have every draft pick in the world. You got all the Lakers picks. You got all the Bucs picks. Why aren't you using them? The Bucs, as long as they've got Giannis, are going to be one of the best teams in the NBA. Those picks are virtually worthless to you, but they could be valuable to someone in a trade. Those picks are going to be in the late 20s. That very rarely amounts to anything in terms of getting a rotation player. Clock is ticking. There's some teams around the Western Conference that are making some big moves. It's time to either put up or shut up, sink or swim if you're New Orleans, and I'm a little concerned that they're going to choose the latter uh, or the, the former, and they're going to sink as opposed to swimming, especially with a roster that's fragile. You're you're liable to get Zion back in two, three weeks, and then Ingram goes back down. You're liable to get Zion back in two, three weeks, and then he had some other injury like he's always been injured. Why is there always this assumption that the next time he comes back, he's never going to go out ever again? This is what he is. Around the rest of the NBA, there are some rumors and some whispers about what Brooklyn's going to continue to do. <clears throat> the Nets are 32 and 22, y'all. It's weird to see a team that's 10 games above 500 having a fire sale. They just traded Jay Crowder who they just got. They just traded him to the Bucks. They're trying to trade Ben Simmons, but can't because Ben Simmons is a worthless basketball player. It has no value to anyone. Before the day's over, I wouldn't be surprised if they trade Royce O'Neal. I wouldn't be surprised if they trade Seth Curry. It's just crazy to see a team combust from the inside. When sitting 10 games above 500, and the reality is that if they would have gotten Kyrie to buy in and if they would have gotten Durant back healthy, they could have maybe won the East. But boy, that's not the way that turned out. So now you got the Nets retooling, you got the Suns loading up to make a run, and you've got all sorts of dominoes and chess pieces flying across the boards in the NBA circles. It's going to be a fun trade deadline for the rest of the day. To see where some of these pieces and parts move and shake. Matisse Stiebel just got traded by the Philadelphia 76ers. I'm I'm not pleased that they gave him up. I think he's a good player. I think he's not used properly. The 76ers get Jalen McDaniels Um, in the trade. I think McDaniels is a good player. Actually, now that I'm seeing that they received that, I'm actually a little more happy with it. I think McDaniels is a guy who could score at multiple levels, and I think he's going to actually help the 76ers. So I like that deal a little more now that we see it. Um, but, man, teams are going for it. I think the team's understanding and realize that this NBA picture this year is wide open. There's no clear favorite. The defending champions are the Warriors, and their beat-up might not even make the playoffs. Boston has some injuries. They don't have the same coach. They're a year older. You know, can Horford last the postseason can Marcus Smart last through the post like they're a year older. The Bucks. Chris Middleton a year older. Drew Holiday a year older. Can they make another sustained run? The Nets are now collapsed. The 76ers, God bless Hart is my favorite player ever, but he and Embiid are known choke artists, right? They're not likely to make a run all the way to the finals. It's wide open in the West. Does anybody really trust that Jokic Standing at the top of the key and running the offense, a three hundred pound center running the offense. Does anybody think that's going to work in the playoffs? It's never worked before. Why would it work now? Dallas, yeah, I think you're better. You got Kyrie. That's who knows where that's going to go. The Suns you got Duran and Booker. That's explosive. But can Chris Paul even walk anymore? Like he he doesn't do anything anymore. His stats are way down. So there are so many question marks, and we're leading into an NBA postseason that I think is just going to be incredible. It's I, I think it's going to just be incredible. I think I can make the argument right now for eight teams, maybe even a little more that could potentially win it all. And it's an NBA where usually at this time of the year, we've got it narrowed down to like two or three teams. So this is going to be an exciting postseason, and it's an exciting trade deadline, and by the end of the day, who knows who else may get moved. Hopefully, the Pelicans will get a little uncomfortable. If you got to trade a rotation player, a fan favorite, a guy who's liked in the locker room, but you could get another guy who maybe makes you a little better, go do it. All this patty cake crap of, oh, man, we like each other. Oh, we dance in the locker room. Oh, we're all friends. That's, that's great. That's great to have that. But when you're not the best team in the world, you should be striving to become the best team in the world. And if an opportunity to get better presents itself, be uncomfortable, pull the damn trigger, and let's go. Let's play-by-play on KLAB. Let's catch a break. When we get back, Andrew Coyote of HL Bourgeois will be joining us to talk about his team. We'll be right back after this.
1: The French Connection, the all-new Raging Cajun, 102.7 FM.
9: Gulf South Homes is a locally owned and operated mobile home dealership specializing in manufactured
4: homes, modular homes, office units, and camps. Gulf South Homes offers land home packages on your land or ours. Our friendly staff will help you with parts and service and insurance. Did you know you can even custom design your home? And we work with the Restore Louisiana grant program. So see us today at 1986 Highway 182 in Houma or call 985-876-0222. The home of your dreams is waiting for you at Gulf South Homes. It's
10: Mike to tell you for Neal Small Engine Incorporated. Listen up. That's what we did at Gravely. We listened to lawn professionals. Then we brought the professional performance home. Gravely Residential Zero Turn Moors. Show the neighborhood that you mean business. Zero turns that are as tough as nails. Operator comfort beyond compare. We've got 100 years of professional advice to perfect cutting performance. Just drop the deck. Put the neighbors on notice. Gravely. Driven from within. At Neal Small Engine Incorporated. Locations in Homa, LaRosa.
4: Tri Parish Police Supplies is a top-of-the-line police, fire, and EMS supply store, as well as a great source for tactical and home defense needs. Tri Parish Police Supplies is open to the public Monday through Friday, 9 till 5, and on Saturdays, 10 till 2. So stop in at Tri Parish Police Supplies on Highway 311 today. For more info, call 985-873-9989.
7: guaranteed
6: does your vehicle need servicing and you don't want to drive too far calvin braxton ford service department in lockport is offering these specials until further notice get a diesel oil change for 159.95 or a gas only oil change for 49.95 up to five quarts calvin braxton Ford, 5978 le1 in lockport big town inventory small town prices
7: Set yourself up for success when planning your next event. Whether it be a festival, Mardi Gras rodeo, or outdoor music venue, Joe Septic Contractors knows that it's important to cover your bases well before the days of your event. Joe's Septic Contractors can supply eighteen, ten, three, three-and-two-stall restroom air-conditioned trailers anytime, anywhere, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Planning an event? Visit Joe's Septic at bizcom.net with locations in Cutoff, Thibodeau, Fushaw, Abbeville, Reserve, and now Odessa, Texas.
0: Welcome back to play-by-play Play here on KLEB. Casey Jisclair here. We want to thank Coach Darian Jenkins for her time earlier in the show. Now we go to another call-in guest. It will be our final call-in guest on the show today. And we make a trip out to the reservation, and we go to Andrew Kaiwet with East St. Oh, not East Saint John. What am I saying? With HL Bourgeois. I was looking at the district standings, and I saw East St. John up there. Coach Kaiwet with HL Bourgeois. His Braves got a win over Thibodeau on Tuesday night. Coach, how we doing, man?
12: Good, man. I'll tell you, I'm blue and gray until
0: I die now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not trying to give you the East St. John job just yet, brother. You you guys are 10-19 and 19 on the season, are playing better as of late. Um, and look, man, I got to tell you, looking at some of your recent results, could have maybe been even on a big old long winning streak because you guys had terrible there and kind of gave that one away, lost in overtime against Destran, lost a tough one with East St. John. So, man, you guys are competing with everybody. I know that's got to make you happy.
12: Well, look, I'm going to tell you, I told somebody this the other day, and I'm, I've probably said it lots of times lately, that for an old dog like me to to have some skins on the who's, – who's been fortunate to have some skins on the wall, as I have, and to say we're 10 and 19 and 4 and 6 in district, and I'm having a blast. That'll tell you, you know, the caliber of kids we're playing with and also – you know the future that I see for them, uh, and, and I'm gonna tell you we're we're four and six in district, and I'm not gonna say should be, but I'm saying we could be ten and zero in district. Uh, you look back over the course of it, you were at our first Terrebonne game. I mean, we we played well there. We down you know a point or two going down the stretch. Uh, we we at East St. John, probably our biggest defeat of district. We lose by ten. And we're in the lead most of the way. Uh, we start out beating Terrebonne 14 nothing the other night. We lose a game in overtime at Desch We lose a game in double overtime to East St. John. I mean, it's, you know, we played, we've played really, really well. And, and I tell you, I feel like if we started the season right now today, we'd be a playoff team.
0: That answered the next question that I was going to ask, and it's crazy. It's like you're reading my mind. I was going to ask you if we had it all to do over again and we could go back to November, would you think that things would go different? Sounds like you guys do think that.
12: Yeah, I believe so. And, and listen, it's this group of kids believes in themselves and each other and us. Uh, look, I, I'm going to tell you just, just where we've gone. And, and look, I, I've had a lot of teams and been fortunate not to be in this situation very often. And it's easy for kids to shut it down when you're in a situation you're in. And our kids have shown no degree of shutting it down. And, in fact, I mean, just look at the – look. And I tried to tell them this yesterday. I said, look at the Thibodeau game the first time we played them. I, I forget when we won by five, six, seven points, whatever it was. But, actually, Thibodeau was in control most of the game. It was a close game, but they were in control. And, and the other night we win by 20 – and the game's never in doubt. We were in control the whole entire way, and and in fact called the dogs relatively early to, to get it to that situation. And, and not to take anything away from Tony and, and the Thibodeau Club, that's not what I'm saying. I just I just think we've grown that much as a team. And uh, I mean, we playing fantastic uh, defense, both both with our matchup and with man. Uh, we don't turn the ball over a whole lot anymore. We're starting to get better and better shots, getting the kids to believe in, and what their personal high percentage shot is. And, uh, we've gotten, we've gotten so much more movement offensively. I mean, it's, it's the stuff we've been preaching and preaching and preaching that they're slowly, slowly, slowly buying more and more into. So I'm going to tell you, they're going to get a week off and we're starting for next year.
0: Yeah, um, you guys are going to try to wrap up the year with a little momentum. Three straight road games. Hanville's tough. Patterson's tough. Central Lafourche is tough. How important is it to try to steal, you know, one, two, or you know, maybe all, even all those games coming home to carry that momentum into the off season?
12: Well, look, I think it's real important, and uh, you know, you take them one game at a time. But but we're out to prove a point, and you know, and and I, we need to look at it that this is our playoff. We're not going to make the playoffs, so this is our playoff. So we need to go out and. And try to get to the fourth round of, uh, you know, when you're looking at it right now, try to get to the fourth round of the playoffs, win the first three games. And uh, I just think, and, and you know, within our district and within our schedule, we take we take no games off, no night off. I mean, you play in Hornville, who's, you know, a great team. You play in Central Lafourche, who's really good. We take a night off in district and battling Patterson, who's incredible. You know, so, I mean... I think you take them one game at a time, but I don't think there's a game that our kids feel like we shouldn't win. Which is which is half the battle, and I tell kids all the time: if you believe that you're going to win and you back it up with hard work, then then that's the battle.
0: Coach, uh, talk to me about this. You know, you just said a minute ago it's going to be a week off. Then we're going to be rocking and rolling into the off season. What are some things in the off season? Some maybe some specific areas that you guys are going to be looking to try to shore up and you know, try to get the kids better.
12: We got to get bigger and stronger first and foremost. We've got a couple of kids um, such as Chris Coleman and uh, David Green who are who are great players for us. But you know you want them to be great for you, but you want them to have a chance to play at the next level. And both of those kids are skin and bones. Uh, you know, we got to get, we got to somehow figure out how to get 20 pounds of muscle mass on those kids in off season. And uh, I'm turning, this is tough for me to say, but I'm turning the the weights program, the conditioning program over to my son. I'm fortunate enough that he's with me all the time, but, but he's going to run it. And then I'm going to be the eyes in the back looking and making sure that the kids are given the effort and so forth like that. So I think I think that's actually going to make our conditioning program much better in the in the off season because he's going to be running it yet I'm going to be watching it and uh, I mean that's that's our biggest thing and then and in a continue player development and things like that you know we got a couple of big kids that, that you know we got a 64 sophomore who's really really we think is going to be really really good it was a first year player and we got to tweak some things with him we got a big, a big freshman who's probably six-two, about two-twenty right now, who really understands the game. But we got to tweak some things about his shot and different things. Uh, so, I mean, I think it's a lot of tweaking stuff, you know. Continuing on everything, we put we put every kid through all of our all our ball handling stuff because we figure we're no matter what our bigger kids are guards. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's just continuing to work hard. But if, if you ask me one specific thing, I think it's got to be the weight room and, and and our conditioning program as a whole.
0: Let's talk about some LHSA stuff for a second, my friend, because you guys have South LaFouche and South Terrebonne who are playing in the same bracket as you over in Division One, And, you know, the association tells us, hey, you know, we'll meet over the summer, we'll fix all this stuff. Do you see a world where next year potentially your district would add those teams in and maybe lose the river? Do you see a situation where that would end up happening potentially?
12: Well, look, in my opinion, this is this is strictly my opinion. I don't think the LHSA wants districts. Yeah. And I think I think they're moving closer and closer to that goal when they and and, and I got basketball coaching friends that say, Yeah, take away that point. Take away that point. Well then you de emphasize in district what we need to do is if they were going to change this stuff you know obviously I disagree with changing it in midstream uh, if you want to change this stuff and you want to make South Lafouche and South Terrebonne Division 1 well there's a couple of inherent problems why why are they playing in a different district than us and then also why are they getting bonus points yep. within the same playoff bracket that I'm playing in and who knows if if those division if the if the four class 4a teams that are playing division one if they weren't getting those two bonus points well and i don't think it would help us because at 10 and 19 or whatever we are now i think we're too far down anyway but maybe that helps us a uh, central lafourche who's 36 or whatever they are and i just i totally disagree with the the 2018 bracket look at look at tony clark ask him about it when he was a 31 Four or five years ago, and beat Washington, number two seed in the first round. You know, basketball is a different entity. Uh, you know, you you play a one against thirty-two in football, and you might have some some really negative scoring events. But uh, I just I just inherently don't like that. Now, and I know I got around your question. I, I really, obviously, hope it would be a, a Bayou District. That would be incredible. Uh, it'd be back to when where I started at. And if you can get the the Lafouche and and maybe even Assumption team together in a district, that would, how incredible would that be? You'd have you not only have the best the best atmosphere for games. Uh, you you know, needless to say, in, in this in this day and age, you got to make some money at your gates just to survive. So I mean, you got a big game every night. You know, we're going to always get big gates when we play the Thibodeaux and the Allenders and the South LaFouche and Central LaFouche and such. Uh but but that would be big games each night. Uh, I I hope and pray that that happens.
0: Hanville tomorrow in the opening round the district you guys are fortunate to beat them on your home floor. What do you got to do to repeat the, to get a repeat performance tomorrow out on the river?
12: Well, number one, we beat them without their best player, Lumar, and and I think they their players left the, the building thinking, oh, we won just because Lumar didn't play, and and I think again, three and a half, four weeks ago, whatever that whatever that was, I'm gonna tell you, we're we're a much better team than we were then. So it, it's kind of what I what I tell our kids. I tell them everybody in our program, and if you can do this individually, then it obviously passes on to a team side. And I tell everyone our kids, you're expected to do four things. You're expected to play defense, which is you know ungodly huge. Uh, you're expected to to get boards. You're expected to take care of the basketball and not turn it over. And you're expected to get your high percentage shots. So I mean, if if we can go in there, obviously we got to defend. Obviously. We got to control our own on the boards, and uh, we got to take care of the basketball. And if we get good shots, then I think we've got a chance. Uh, I mean, again, I think I think our kids expect to be successful, which is which is a good sign because that's back where we've been before. And now they're there. So if we back that up with hard work, I think we have a chance.
0: Very good stuff, Coach Man. We thank you so much for the time. Happy to have you on. Go get one tomorrow, bro.
12: Okay, thank you a lot,
0: Casey. Yep, that is Coach Andrew Kiwitt with HL Bourgeois doing a nice job. His team is playing hard. We saw them earlier in the year. Hell, what was the date of that? We saw them on, uh, yeah, da, da, yeah, da, da. that was before Christmas, December 16. And Brian and I were saying openly, like, I don't know, man. Like, these dudes ain't playing very hard. Well, they're playing very hard now. They're competing. They're giving everything that they've got. They're finding some success, and that's a team that I wouldn't want to face the rest of the year. If I'm Hanville and I'm playing for a seed, yeah, I don't want to play them. If I'm Patterson and I'm playing for a seed, yeah, no thanks. Uh, <laughs> so we'll be interested to see how that's going to go, and hopefully the Braves could continue that momentum and finish up strong. Let's catch a break when we get back out of the break. Talk about the Super Bowl. That's on Sunday. I'll give you some things that I'm looking at. As the big game approaches, it's play-by-play on KLEB.
1: You're listening to KLEB, 1600 AM and K274 DE, 102.7 FM, Golden Meadow. The French Connection, the all-new Ragin' Cajun, 102.7 FM. The music on the bayou, the all-new Ragin' Cajun, 102.7 FM.
10: Mike to tell you for Neal Small Engine Incorporated. Listen up. That's what we did at Gravely. We listened to lawn professionals. Then we brought the professional performance home. Gravely residential zero-turn moors show the neighborhood that you mean business. Zero turns that are as tough as nails operate a comfort beyond compare. We've got a hundred years of professional advice to perfect cutting performance. Just drop the deck, put the neighbors on notice. Gravely, driven from within. At Neal Small Engine Incorporated. Locations in Homa, LaRue,
0: You know, the one thing that I don't like, and I mean this in sports, and I mean this in life in general, I don't like being lied to, and no one likes being lied to. Life is hard, people are going to make mistakes, but it to me, it's immediate disrespect when someone makes a mistake and, and lies about it, and tries to cover their ass instead of just owning up to it being a mistake. Yesterday, Roger Goodell spoke to reporters, and he lied to us. That's not a big surprise. Roger Goodell's a coward. We we've we we know this, but it's just disheartening. Speaking in a question about NFL officiating, Roger Goodell said yesterday, I don't think officiating's ever been better in the league. There are over 42,000 plays in a season. Multiple infractions could occur on any play. Take that out or extrapolate that. That's hundreds, if not millions, of potential fouls. And our officials do an extraordinary job of getting those. Are there mistakes in the context of that? Yes, they're not perfect, and officiating never will be ever been better? I don't think officiating in the league has ever been better. Mr. Goodell, I've I've been watching football my whole life. I'm 35 years old. From the ages of like 10 to 25, that 15-year window, I watch more football probably than anybody in the world. I would watch Every game, every chance that I got, soaked, glued to the TV. Could name you the, the the starting right guard for the Cardinals. Could name you the second string outside linebacker for the Jaguars. I was glued. I was a madden holic. I played video games. I knew every player, every team. I was glued. I don't remember there being a weekly controversy about officiating then. Boy, we hear about it now. I don't think it's ever been better. I don't really have like a strong argument or strong evidence to like dispute that, but I'm just asking NFL fans to think about what he just said and think about it with their eyes and with their ears and what they see and what they hear on any given Sunday. Does it feel like officiating is better right now to you than it was 20 years ago? In a sport where the New Orleans Saints got cost uh, costed an opportunity to make the Super Bowl because of a singular bad call, in a sport where the Bengals basically just last weekend got hosed of a chance to make it to the Super Bowl by a series of bad calls, in a sport where the Cowboys got cost an opportunity to beat the Green Bay Packers in an NFC playoff game a couple years ago, by a bad call. I I could go on and on and on and on. We have a replay system that is treacherous. A replay system that needs to be shot so far into the depths of hell that we never see it again. We have a replay system that sometimes overturns some things but sometimes doesn't overturn other things. We have a replay system that it makes zero sense what we're looking at sometimes and we take minutes and minutes and minutes to review the obvious but then don't even review at all other things that should be reviewed because they get the call wrong. I've seen times in our replay system where they get the call right on the field, look at it on replay, and overturn it and end up getting the call wrong. I have seen more infractions and more officiating errors in the last five years than I'd seen the previous 15 years before that. Don't think officiating's ever been better. Give me a break. That is an embarrassing statement. Here's the right way to answer that question, Roger. The players are now bigger, faster, and stronger than they ever have been. And it's hard for 50- and 60-year-old men to keep up, so sometimes we're out of position, sometimes we don't see stuff, we're working on it, we got to retool it. To just look at us and lie and say, oh, this is as good as it's ever going to get. When every single person who watches on Sundays knows that's a damn lie, come on, Roger. Then he dug even deeper. In the AFC Championship game, there was a controversial play where the Chiefs ran a play on third and nine, Ended up short of the first down. Instead of it being fourth down, the Chiefs got to replay the down. Roger defended that. He said the officials acted properly and handled that the right way. In the championship game, that was stopped appropriately because the clock was running by an official on the field. That happens frequently in our game. That's not an unusual thing to have that happen. We may not agree with every TV announcer or officiating expert but we think our officials are doing a great job We're always going to look to our competition committee and everything else we have, how we improve our fishing, but it'll never be perfect. Again, a lie. That happens frequently in our game. Roger says that plays get stopped after the result of the play and repeated, and he says that happens frequently in our game. Roger, I'm 35. I have never seen that happen before. Never. Last Sunday was the first time. That I have ever seen that happen before. That happens frequently in our game. Give me a break, man. I know that it's a hard job, but it's a job that I don't want to do. And I know that what he said at the end there, it will never be perfect. That's a fact. I'm not asking humans to become robots, I'm not asking humans to never make mistakes. I said at the open of this segment, in life, we all make mistakes, but in life, the people who have the most success are the people who acknowledge their mistakes, build off of them, and come back stronger based on their mistakes. You know how repeat mistakes occur? By getting to the media and lying that they exist. By saying, I don't think the officiating in our league has ever been better. By saying, Oh, that thing that happened in the championship game where the play was stopped. Oh, that happens all the time. That's that's not infrequent. Things like that happen all the time. When everyone who watches your game on Sunday knows that doesn't happen all the time. I've never seen that happen ever before. It's not an unusual thing to have that happen. Roger Goodell, you are a liar, a bold face. Double crossing liar. Roger Goodell is bad for the NFL. His insistence to lie about the things that need to get better is bad for the NFL. This press conference yesterday, the way he answered this question is bad for the NFL. It's embarrassing for the NFL. I'm not asking you, Roger, to get up there and say, oh, our officials are trash. We got to get rid of them. No. But I'm also not asking you to lie to our face, and we know you're lying. We see your nose growing, Dr. Pinocchio, and there's nothing that we could do about it because you're going to stand up there and lie anyway. Be a man, Roger. Say, hey, wait, we could do better. You know, the athletes are faster. It's tougher. It's a challenge. It's harder to be a referee now than ever before. All of those things are true. All those things are acceptable. But to stand up there and say that it's the best officiating that we've ever seen, to stand up there and say that the thing we saw at the end of that Chiefs game is is something that we see commonly, that we see all the time. Making an ass out of yourself. And that's hard for you to do, Roger, because you have spent an entire career making an ass out of yourself. In terms of the big game itself, I'm still leaning the Chiefs. I still think that the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl, but, boy, you remember on that Monday, that first Monday where I said, man, we got a long way to go. We got 13 days to go before the Super Bowl. I'm leaning Chiefs, but by the time the big game gets here, I'm probably strongly going to be leaning Chiefs. <laughs> time has passed. I'm not strongly leaning Chiefs. As the time has passed, I am strongly now in the middle. I don't have a clue. I think that the Chiefs have an advantage because I think most of the time in the Super Bowl, the team with the best quarterback – has the edge? I think the team that has the most experience has the edge. But in this one, I look at the Eagles. I look the way that at, at the way they could run the ball. I look at the way that they could rush the passer, and I certainly see a world where they could give Kansas City a lot of problems, much like Tampa did. A couple, excuse me, a couple years ago. But they're both fourteen and three. They're both exceptional. Their winning margin this season, like their point differential this year is virtually identical. And I think that Taylor may have hit on something yesterday when he said, hey, I think this is going to just be one of the best Super Bowls that we've seen in a long time. I think that it's going to be a situation where it's going to come down to the absolute very end. And he may be right. He may be right. I think it's going to be a great one, 530. uh, The Chiefs and the Eagles. I'll give you an official pick. Uh, I know I did that in the mailbag yesterday, but I'm going to, Give you another official pick on Friday, but who? It's 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 tough. I, I don't I don't have any lean, and that's the way I want it. By the way, right? Like last year, I was pretty sure going in that the Rams were going to beat the Bengals. They were better at every position but quarterback. And look, Joe Burrow's magnificence and excellence made it a very close game. But the Rams were the better team, right? They were in Burrow's face. They were hitting them. They were sacking them. The Rams had the better team. I want a big heavyweight fight where I don't know who's going to win. I want a big heavyweight fight that whenever it's in the eighth round, I'm still glued to my seat wanting to see it go all the way to the 15th round, and I think that's what we've got, and we'll be awfully excited to see how it shakes out on Sunday. Let's catch a break. When we get back out of the break, I'll give you some betting picks. It's play-by-play on KLEB.
1: The music on the bayou, the Rage in Cajun, 1600 AM, KLEB and 102.7
9: FM.
6: Does your vehicle need servicing and you don't want to drive too far? Calvin Braxton Ford Service Department in Lockport is offering these specials until further notice. Get a diesel oil change for $159.95 or a gas-only oil change for $49.95, up to 5 quarts. Calvin Braxton Ford, 5978 LE1 in Lockport. Big Town Inventory,
11: Small Town Prices.
4: Gulf South Homes is a locally owned and operated mobile home dealership specializing in manufactured homes, modular homes, office units, and camps. Gulf South Homes offers land home packages on your land or ours. Our friendly staff will help you with parts and service and insurance. Did you know you can even custom design your home? And we work with the Restore Louisiana grant program. So see us today at 1986 Highway 182 in Houma or call 985-876-0222. The home of your dreams is waiting for you at Gulf South Homes.
7: Guaranteed.
4: Gulf South Homes is a locally owned and operated mobile home dealership specializing in manufactured homes, modular homes, office units, and camps. Gulf South Homes offers land home packages on your land or ours. Our friendly staff will help you with parts and service and insurance. Did you know you can even custom design your home? And we work with the Restore Louisiana grant program. So see us today at 1986 Highway 182 in Houma or call 985-876-0222. The home of your dreams is waiting for you at Gulf South Homes.
5: There's no combination of words I could put on the back of a postcard. No song that I could sing, but I can try for your heart. Our dreams, and they are made out of real
0: things. One segment to go here on Play by Player. Reminder, we're off tomorrow in our varsity uh, basketball coverage. South Lafourche has a district by, so we're off. I'm going to likely make the trip over to Central Lafourche and go watch Central Lafourche and Tibbetul, but that's just me uh, being a fan and also I guess being a business owner with Bayou Sports and our obligation to our subscribers there um let's go ahead and give you our betting picks tonight I like over 225 and a half for the Bulls and the Nets the Nets could still score even without all their weapons Cam Thomas scores 40 points every single game they're not going to guard you know they're not going to play any defense they didn't play any defense even when they had their dudes they're not going to guard they've got some shooting Seth Curry Cam Thomas like I think that this one's going to go over um Let's see, tonight I like, um, give me the Lakers plus eight against the Bucks. I think the Lakers are going to play hard. And I've been making money betting Dallas, and I've been telling you guys every game, bet Dallas, because when a team makes a trade and shows that it's interested in winning as opposed to standing pad or selling, everybody on that team gets a little bit more life. Everybody on that team gets a little bit more energy. And I've been, the last couple of times Dallas has played, I told you guys, hey, take Dallas. They, they've they been big underdogs, like eight-point underdogs in the last two games. They won both of them. And I've been telling you all, those role players, those guys, like, they're going to be playing harder. They feel that energy. They feel that juice and that momentum of, hey, we just got Kyrie. We've got a chance now. And those role players, that sixth man who maybe would have been playing the game a little hungover because he had spent the night out in the club the night before. Maybe he's a little more fresh. Maybe he's a little more ready. That backup center is going to be crashing a little harder on those pick and rolls because they're trying to make an impression and say, hey, man, whenever we're making a push at this, I want to be part of it. I want to be in the rotation. I want more playing time. Everybody's got a little bit more juice. And I think that tonight the Lakers are going to play hard. They made a really good trade yesterday getting rid of Russell Westbrook and getting some guys, getting D'Angelo Russell and some role players. I think that they're going to make a push at it and not a strong push, not going to win at all, nothing like that. But I do think that they're going to play hard tonight, and the early returns are going to be pretty good. College basketball tonight, I like the Nichols-Colonels, minus 12 over UNO. That's a big number, but Nichols is good at home, and UNO is not good at all. Um, So I like Nichols to go on the road and beat UNO. I mean, at home to defeat UNO, my bad. Got my tongue twisted there. Tonight in college basketball, I also like Southeastern to go on the road and beat McNeese minus one. McNeese isn't very good. Southeastern is very good. I like that one to uh, be a win by the road team. I like UCLA and Oregon State to go over 122.5. That's all for me today, guys. It's been a great show. I thank you so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow to close out the week. This is Casey Jiskler signing off. Have a great rest of the day. We'll be back tomorrow. God bless.
1: You're listening to KLEB. 1600 AM and K274DE, 102.7 FM, Golden Meadow.